Welcome to the Well-Balanced 360 Podcast, where we dive into the latest and best tips on medicine and spirituality to help you master your health and overcome your fears so that you can feel your absolute best. I'm your host, Dr. Shivani, a licensed medical doctor, a yoga nerd, and a wellness enthusiast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here. Now let's dive in. On this episode, you will learn how to incorporate adaptogens and ghee into your diet to feel healthier. I'm joined today by Uma Naralkar, an integrative nutritionist and holistic health coach based out of Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, I'm so excited too, and I'm actually so excited for you and just starting this new venture and wishing you all the best and so happy to be here. Thank you. So you and I have known each other for a while. And one thing I love about you is that you've been into integrative nutrition for quite some time and you help coach women with different adaptogens to help them feel better overall. So can you kind of walk me through your journey of what led you here? Oh gosh. So I've always been interested in nutrition, right? Since I was a child, actually, even a teenager, I was always like curious about all the diets and trends out there and always followed what's happening in the world of nutrition. But I did grow up in India and I'm pretty sure you're aware of the culture and just becoming a nutritionist wasn't really a career option at that time. And it wasn't thought of as being cool. It wasn't as trendy as it is today. So I did my undergrad in microbiology and I was going to do my pre-med, but then I decided to completely change my career paths and I actually came to the US and I went to film school. So it was completely different and number of reasons led to that. But I ended up working a corporate job in Hollywood. I was a commercial producer for almost eight years. And this was in my 20s. It was amazing, but also stressful at the same time. And I think that's where my health got compromised quite a bit because that whole job was about socializing and going out and a lot of late nights, a lot of alcohol, as well as just unhealthy choices, not you know exercising, and just kind of going with the flow because it was such a competitive and high demand kind of environment, right? And in my mid-20s, I got married and we waited till late 20s when we decided that we want to start a family. And when we started trying to conceive, it didn't happen organically. And that's when I decided to go and actually consult with a functional OBGYN. And, you know, all of us have that moment that we are like, we get a reality check, right? When we know that something needs to shift. So I still remember like sitting in front of her and she had like all my reports in front of me and she was looking at me and she just said that, are you aware that you have put on over 25 pounds just this year? And I remember this was in 2006, 2006, 2007. I was just looking at her I was like, are you sure this year, are you talking about the past five years? And she's like, no, in the past 12 months. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, I mean, the funny part is that, you know, right, your body's constantly giving you signals, obviously, physically, your clothes are not fitting you well, you're tired, but you also are 
sluggish, you have brain fog, you know that things are off when you're not making the healthiest choices, but you kind of just go with the flow when you're young. And that's at least what happened with me. And this was my reality check. This was that alarm where I was like, this is not about just conceiving and having babies, but even just for my health, if I want to live a longer life, I need to tap into all that stuff that I already know. Because I was literally, I was a person who would research all the latest nutrition trends. I had all the books. So I think that's when I personally shifted and I changed my own lifestyle. And truly enough, you know, the weight went off. I got pregnant very naturally and I had kids pretty back to back. And then I was a little bit in my motherhood zone, but the nutrition still stuck. And what happened on with a twist or how I became a functional nutritionist was that I just started helping people my close friends and family who asked me for help and advice and how I did it. And then they went and shared with their friends and family members. And it literally, my practice started like that. And then obviously it's evolved quite a bit. It's been, my son's going to be 11. So it's been almost 10 years of doing this. And it's gone through a lot of changes, but that's how On With The Twist actually came about. I think one fine a friend of mine was like, why don't you charge for this? And I was like, okay, maybe I'll charge $100 for, you know, it really started like that. And then organically grew. And then I was like, oh, maybe I need a website. And just one thing led to the other. And then came the whole social media aspect. Wow, that's an incredible story. I mean, because it sounds like, you know, it caused a shift in you. And then you wanted to like, use that as a passion to help other women. So have you seen women, I guess, maybe struggling with fertility in your practice as well? Yeah, so I do. Now I have quite a niche or niche audience or clients because again, that's evolved over the years. And I do mainly work with women who are either perimenopausal or who've been through menopause where there's clear hormonal fluctuations, as well as younger women who are in their 20s who may have PCOD, PCOS, or other hormonal issues, women who are just getting off of birth control and who are trying to conceive. So definitely that. But again, nutrition ties into everything, right? So fertility issues are usually also related to weight issues and digestive issues. So I do look at it more holistically. And I try to, my goal as a nutritionist is to empower my clients with all the information that they need so that they can make the right choices for themselves, right? As against me being, you know, eat this at 8am and then two hours later do this. I think it's much more freeing to really know what food does to you and how you can combine food to make it work for you. And then once you are in that position where you feel, you know, strong about your eating choices, I think you automatically make the right one. Yeah, no, I completely resonate with that. I feel what I'm hearing you say is it's kind of individually based. So you work with each client and figure out like a food plan that works well for them. Because I mean, there's so much noise out there right now in terms of paleo and keto and don't eat dairy and completely remove meat. But I feel like it doesn't work for everyone, right? And so is that kind of what you take into your practice as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I have a lot of clients who live in India, right? So I do a lot of international consultations. And 
in India as a culture, a lot of people live in larger families and they're not just short cooking or they're not cooking only for themselves or their little nuclear family. There's 10 or 12 people sometimes to feed. Then there's cultural things that come in where there's people who don't eat meat or people who don't eat certain vegetables for religious reasons, right? So I feel it's important to understand and respect, even in this country, right? Veganism or people who make choices where they don't want to eat meat, they want to be plant-based for whatever the reasons might be. It doesn't always have to be just for health, right? So I think it's important to take all those under consideration and to create a plan that really works well with that individual's lifestyle and the choices that they have made for themselves and their family. I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, you know, in this day and age, there's so much stuff about Indian herbs and adaptogens. You know, right now we're hearing so much about ashwagandha, turmeric, ghee. I mean, if you go to Air One here, which is like a local, you know, health and food store, you even find chocolate ghee. So... Can you talk to me a little bit more about some of these adaptogens that you use and do they work for certain conditions such as autoimmunity, maybe fatigue and stress? All right. So adaptogens, as the name suggests, they could be herbs or sometimes they're superfoods or they could be raisins, right, from the earth. The purpose is that they are adaptogenic, right? So they're helping your body adapt to stress or adapt to whatever your lifestyle looks like so that you can live a better life. And this is something that we've had in ancient Indian culture, and it's been there for years, right? Like yoga, you know, it's been there for so many centuries, but it recently became popular. And now everyone knows what yoga is or what meditation is. So it's a very similar thing where I feel that the adaptogens have been there and they've been used like ghee, for example, right? Ghee is so powerful. And I love that you mentioned it because if you just look at the nutrition facts of ghee, right? If you just look at ghee and if you turn around and look at the nutrition, you'll see that it's a fat, right? It is basically 99.5% fat. And out of that, I think more than 60% saturated fat. That being considered, it still has such a lot of anti-inflammatory properties. And if you combine it correctly with other ingredients, it can do so much for you. It's beautiful for your skin, for your hair, even for your mood, as well as for weight management, actually, because ghee does have linolenic acid in it, which helps to manage weight to curb appetite. So it has a lot of benefits to it. That being said, I just want to clarify that with fat, and especially saturated fat, it is important to consume it in moderation and combine it really correctly with protein as well as complex carbohydrates because fat is high in calories, right? So it is the most high calorie or calorie dense food out of the macros that we have, carbohydrates and protein. So you have to remember that at the end of the day, calories do matter. And if you consume more than you're burning, then it's going to get converted to body fat, right? That's something that I just want to put out there because just because it's ghee doesn't mean that you can have like the whole bottle in a day, right? So you have to be mindful of that. But I think it is a superfood, right? Or ashwagandha that you also mentioned. So ashwagandha. So ashwa is horse, by the way. What does it mean? A horse. 
Of course. Okay. Ganda or ganda is smell. So in ancient India, when they found this herb, it smelled like a horse. Smelled like a horse. Wow. Hence the name. And if you smell it, it has a pretty interesting smell. And that's the reason why if you're having it as a tincture or if you're having it in liquid form, a lot of people are just like, you know, you want to get used to it. And so I always, when I'm warming clients up to it, I always recommend having it in a capsule, something that comes from a really good brand as against the liquid, because it does have an interesting taste to it. Are you saying like you can't really put it in food? Does it come in like a powder? Unlike ghee, this is actually a really good point. Unlike ghee, which is a fat, ashwagandha or shilajit or rhodiola, which is not Indian in origin, but these are all adaptogenic herbs. The best way to consume them is on an empty stomach. You don't even want to have them with other vitamins or with each other, really. So like you don't want to put it in a smoothie mixed in with other stuff. You do not want to do that. Yeah. I mean, you could do it, but it will massively reduce its potency and you will not get the real thing. It's like, you know, when you're having your vitamins, your water-soluble vitamins, not the fat-soluble ones. So like the B vitamins and stuff. It's really better to have them on an empty stomach. So with ashwagandha, you can have it in the morning or you can have it at night, right? Because it is adaptogenic. It will help your body to adjust your cortisol levels based on where you are at in the day. So if you have it at night before bedtime, it will help to suppress that cortisol and give you a better sleep. If you have it in the morning... It'll help to elevate that cortisol and give you more energy throughout the day. So yeah, I mean, thank you for putting that out because I sometimes see like where people take it for sleep and then when people take it for energy, yeah. that I'm talking about. And I always yeah. wonder, well, how is it doing the same thing for both? So yeah. thank you for putting that out. It's interesting. And sometimes it works only one way for some people. And so you really need to try it out. Again, if there's someone who's having it like with food, it's not really going to work, you know? So when you're having it, how it works for you as an individual, and that also depends on where your stress levels are at. Let's say you're someone who has a really high stress job or you're going through some relationship pains where you're just going through chronic stress. You may see if you check this person's cortisol levels, and there are many ways to do that. If you do a cortisol test, you may see that instead of the classic elevation in the day and then that gradual drop throughout the day technically your cortisol levels should be lowest at night before bedtime it might be different there might be you know some kind of dysfunction in that cortisol level and that's where you want to take ashwagandha at the end of the day before bedtime 30 minutes before bedtime on an empty stomach ideally oh that is really good to know thank you for pointing that out are there like any other herbs or adaptogens that you feel are good to take, especially right now with COVID and being sick? I love adaptogens and there are so many. There's Shatavari. I don't know if you've heard of Shatavari. I actually love the combination of ashwagandha and Shatavari together for hormonal imbalances, especially perimenopausal, because it just really helps to stabilize those hormones naturally, right? Instead of going Mm -hmm. through hormone replacement and stuff like that. But I just want to say that adaptogens are like accessories, right? So if you are wearing a beautiful dress and if you have your hair and your makeup and you're feeling pretty already, then those perfect earrings will look complete, right? Or that little bag or I don't know, that one thing that makes everything perfect. That's what adaptogens are. 
So you have to remember that the foundation of your health still lies on your nutrition and what you're consuming through whole food, as well as how active your lifestyle is and what you're doing for your mindset and stress management. And once you are doing that, that's why I like to like throw these adaptogens in because they like kind of, you know, seal the deal. So like a mind, body, soul type of connection, putting it all together versus just, you know, me, if I feel stressed, just taking some ashwagandha, that's not really going to help. I feel like people are doing that. You know, people are like in a high stress job, going from one meeting to the other, like eating a bar, like while they're driving to work and then just having a burger while they're in a meeting and then sleeping at midnight and doing all these bad lifestyle choices. And then they're having ashwagandha four times a day and hoping that it's going to solve the problem. So it's just important to remember that you really need to have a solid foundation for your health before you introduce adaptogens, herbs in your lifestyle. And even with ghee, like making sure going back to the point of what you said before, because I know there's like a big craze out there putting ghee in coffee, putting ghee in whatever you can find right now, because yeah. you know, everyone believes it's better than using anything else. Same thing yeah. with coconut oil. So what would you say is like a good ballpark for somebody that's starting to use ghee with cooking? Like, are we looking that's at... That's a great question. And a lot of my clients ask me that. So the best way to measure it is with your thumb. Okay. So I would use a thumb full of ghee in every meal. Okay. That's a really good ballpark. I mean, it's like teaspoon, tablespoon, you know, it's so confusing. Just take mm-hmm. a thumbful for every meal that you're having and just food combining in general, right? So ghee is a good fat, just like avocado or olive oil, right? So what you're combining that ghee with is equally as important, you know, having really good protein, plant-based or animal-based with it as well as at least half your plate filled with a variety of complex carbohydrates like a rainbow of vegetables, maybe throw in a little bit of low glycemic fruit in there, as well as things like nuts, seeds, beans, right? So you want to make sure that the ghee is great, but what are you combining it with? Like in ancient India, I mean, I remember even growing up in India, we used to have rice and dal, which is rice is your carbohydrate and dal is lentil, right? And there's so many different dals in India with ghee. Right. And then there would be a little bit of salt and we would put freshly squeezed lemon juice on top. I mean, just think about how perfectly balanced that meal is. And this is, I'm talking about centuries and centuries of tradition in India, right? So this is just an example, but you can do the same thing, you know, when you're making an omelet out of your ghee over here, right? As long as you're combining your food properly so that you are really balancing your blood sugar levels out and you're not just spiking them up and down, you are going to serve your health, right? You're going to be able to use the nutrients in that food most efficiently. Well, you bring up a good point with the blood sugars because I know a lot of Indian people have diabetes. And I know you mentioned food is the most important thing, you know, in terms of what you're eating on a daily basis, but are there any adaptogens or Indian herbs that you know that can help with diabetes? Well, I know one, I don't think it's called an adaptogen, but it's more like a raisin. It's called Sheila Jeep. I don't know if you've heard of it. You look at it, it looks like tar. It's like black tar. And they extract it from like the Himalayas from the earth, right? It's basically these plants and raisins that have literally compacted together and that's the way it's extracted and then purified. And sometimes it is converted into 
pills and capsules. And sometimes it's just like that tar. The tin, it's like a gooey black substance. So shilajit is excellent for blood sugar regulation, for blood sugar management. And the way I like to recommend having it is just a really small amount, like 0.1 grams of it, like in warm water and make a tea out of it. And you can have it in the afternoon. Um, What it does is it will help to get rid of those like mid-meal hunger cravings and also boost your energy at the same time. I don't know if you noticed, but like I always would have that like two, three o'clock in the afternoon like my energy would start going down and automatically you're gravitating towards sugary stuff or high calorie stuff, right? So Shilaji has that incredible property. It's also adaptogenic in nature. It's good for reproductive health. It has a lot of benefits. It's actually very, very nutrition dense. It's like a superfood. So that's a good one. But again, for blood sugar management, you have to think about other lifestyle choices as well, right? So creating those balanced meals, especially in the beginning of the day, Staying active. A lot of people have lifestyles where they are sitting a lot. So conscious movement throughout the day, paying attention to sleep, quality and quantity, all that is important. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this amazing information. I know personally, I learned a lot just with these couple of herbs that you've talked about. Thank you so much, Uma. I'm grateful for your friendship and for you being on this podcast. So My very last thing, where can people find you if they want to work with you or learn more about herbs? Right now, I think the best place is Instagram because I connect with most people through DMs. There's also a link to my website on Instagram. So you can check out omwithatwist.com where you'll see all the information about my programs. And there's a lot of free resources there as well. So it's really cool to just check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Uma. I'm sure you and I will be connecting again very soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Well Balanced 360 podcast. I'm truly grateful for all of you and excited to have you join me on this health and wellness journey. Please be sure to stay connected with me over at drshivaniamin.com or any of my social media platforms. If you found this episode to be helpful, I would truly appreciate it if you would also hit that subscribe button and make sure to tell all your friends so you don't miss any future episodes. I'll catch you next week.